Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. I remember a message that Dr. King taught. Actually, it wasn't a message. It was a speech. And he said he'd been receiving for days these threatening phone calls, and people were threatening to kill him and bomb his family. Actually, they've already done that, so he knew that they were uh, capable of, of doing it again. And he had gone to, I don't know how to put it, but he went to a seminary where they seem to teach everything but God. It's extremely liberal. And in fact, in his youth, he questioned the resurrection of Jesus Christ right there in Sunday school. And then he went to a university that just reinforced his questions. But his daddy was a old-time, strong-willed, Southern Baptist preacher. Are you hearing me? His daddy was a man that believed the word. And he may not have agreed with his daddy, always understood why his daddy thought the way his daddy thought. But he said in this speech, he was up that night, and while he was awake, his children were sleeping, and so was his wife. And you know, just the weight of all that was going on was, was hanging on him. And he said he went to go get a cup of coffee, hoping that the coffee might soothe him and and just kind of make it okay. But after drinking the coffee, the coffee didn't help. He stayed in his kitchen a little bit longer, but then it dawned on him. After all those years of learning, after all those years of thinking, Mahatma Gandhi and and all the philosophizing, it came to him in a flash of light that he had to discover for himself Daddy was too far away now to help him. Papa King was in Atlanta, and I don't know, he was probably in Montgomery, Alabama at this time. I don't recall. But in this hour, he said he had to learn how to call on that name that his daddy had talked about. And he said in that kitchen, he heard a voice. And out of that moment, out of that despair, what am I doing to my family? Who do I think I am to to try to lead this nation this way? And their lives being impacted, people going to jail. But God spoke to him and said, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for equality. And in that moment, there was a quickening. There was a strengthening. And then all the questions he used to have began to fade away. Even he started switching books. And his own ministry and life began to change. But don't try to avoid these dark hours because often these dark hours are the making of you. Let me tell you something, once you hear Jesus in the midnight hour, it becomes addictive. The next minute, you, you start looking for the next midnight. When everything's against you, everything's gone wrong. You're like, oh yeah, here you go. God just set me up to do it again. But David, unlike the rest, he was a man set apart. He found strength, not a cliche but strength in the Lord his God. And then David, he felt it. Oh, I'm back, baby. He started going up his right leg, maybe. Going like that. (laughs) Then it got in his waist. (laughs) He knew. He felt that before. He felt it with Goliath, with the lion and the bear. But you see, if if he would have just ran and not sought God, he would have been just as defeated as the rest of the men. But because he went a little further than everybody else, he did what no one else was willing to do. He found strength in his God. Verse 7, 
David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, what does David do in his hour of crisis? Does he run from the church? No. He turned to the priest and the person with God's anointing. He, was, he began to reach for God and he began to reach for the people of God. And, and the man, even the priest himself may have wanted to stone Jesus, but there was anointing on his life. And he turns, if you will, really, if you, you could say, he turns to his pastor in this hour. And he says this, bring the ephod. Then David, the theme music is gone. da na na da na na <laughs> He said to the priest, Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, David turns from his own crisis, and he turned to the priest, the person who was carrying the anointing, and he said to the priest something very, very strange. He said, bring me the ephod. Now, David is from the tribe of Judah, but he's not a Levite. Only the Levites handle the divine utensils. So this is an odd thing for David to call for the ephod. He, he, he's not a, a priest, but, but what he does is an indication of what was going on in the inside of him. In the midst of it all, he said, bring me the ephod. The ephod was a garment, had some chains on the shoulders that was wrapped over the shoulders of the priest. But the most important part of the ephod was the part, the, the main section that covered the heart and the chest. On the front of the ephod were 12 stones representing the 12 tribes, and inscribed on the ephod was the 12 names of the 12 scribes. Why does David call out for the ephod? Because David is not just crying out for me and mine, Lord, please save my trouble behind. That's not what he's doing. David puts this ephod on because he's about to intercede for his people. Every tribe is represented in the loss. And this is when he takes this step from, from just being a leader to becoming a great leader. He, now listen, we all have loss, we all have setbacks, but in the midst of his setback, he got himself off his mind and he began to intercede. Obviously, he understood that, that the world was bigger than, than his personal pain and how you handle personal loss has everything to do with where God takes you next. If David didn't handle this moment right, I don't know if he would have soon become king. He might have had to say, Peter, one, I mean, David, one more time around this mountain. I'm not going to put you in that seat till you're ready. And then he'd have to go through another ziklag, go through another period of loss until he finally got it right. You say, why does the same thing keep happening to me? Because you can't, you, you need to pass the test. When you pass the test, you will graduate and it will stop coming around and you go on and Become everything that God wants you to be. It said, Abiathar, the priest, brought it to him. What was Samson's secret? His hair. But what was David's secret? The Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. The thing that made David into what he was was his heart. And here, his heart is obviously for the people. Because, again, he puts the ephod over his heart, and he, he's saying, my heart is for you. I know y'all doing me wrong. I know you turn your back on me. But it reminds me of somebody. Doesn't it sound a little bit like Jesus? We accused him. We spat at him. Our sins were placed on him, and all had abandoned him. 
And God looked at us and he said, you know what? Your name, Derek, is inscribed in my heart. God, I, I love these people. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Does anybody see? David prefiguring our master. The Bible goes on to say, and David inquired of the Lord. And this is his question. Oh, what shall I do? Shall I pursue the raiding party? Dad, I know I messed up. I did what I shouldn't have done. And God, are you, you willing to fix this? Are you willing to still work with me? Dad, um, can I win? Can, I can't go and fight them in my flesh, Dad. I'm, you know, I'm, I got a reputation and everything, but they don't realize it was you with me that caused me to be the warrior. I am. And if you don't go with me, God, I... I don't know if I can win. God, God, can I or will I overcome it? But I want you to notice something in the statement there. Notice the word I. He was willing to go after this thing if he had to go alone. And yet you have to, there'll be seasons in your life as much as the people around you love you. You got, to, you got to be willing to deal with it and face it if necessary by yourself. And that hour will be your making and not your undoing if you let God do his work. But then out of the despair, out of all that had gone on, David hears. God says, pursue them. And David, oh, could you repeat that? Pursue them. David, are you, God, are you telling me, did, did I just hear you say that I'm going to go and get mine? See, when God Said to David, man, pursue them. He's like, oh, sookie, sookie. I'm back. <laughs> you see, you, you don't understand. I've had those moments where I feel like my mind is going to slip out my ears. But when God comes back on you, would you tell a warrior to go... It just touched him right where he was. And all of a sudden, his countenance changes. All of a sudden, from the crazed, wild, and distressed expression on his face, a confidence and a calm. And his men knew that look. That look had led them in and out of battle multiple times. After he heard God, then God continued. God said, David, I want to remove the question mark and stretch it into an exclamation point. David, you will certainly. Certainly means it's fixed, it's settled, it's been destined. David, it's inevitable. David, it is sure. David, you will certainly overtake them and succeed. How would you act if you knew you couldn't fail? If you knew that everything you touched would succeed, how would you behave if you had that knowing on the inside? David and come out of some stuff, and in the midst of it, his shoulders are squared, and, and all of a sudden, man, there's a shine coming out of his face, and the Bible speaks of 600 men now, that when they see that on it, that look, that look, you know that look, that look on his face, all of a sudden, the men that spoke of stoning him got right in line. 
And that's what the earth is waiting for, an anointing, a confidence, a knowing coming out of a man or a woman that they can line up behind and go back into battle and take back everything the devil has stolen. He said, you will certainly overtake them. And baby, I'm going to give you good success. It is fixed. It is settled. You are predestined. It is inevitable. I'm absolutely sure. Are you hearing me? That in this year, you will overtake and succeed and recapture everything stolen, broken or missing in your life. 1 John 5 and 14 talks about what happened to David. David had his moment, but after you cry, dry your eyes and get on with things. It says here, this is the confidence we have. People who have been with God have an assurance that other folks can't naysay or explain. This is not something we hope for. This is the confidence we have. Are you hearing me? This is something that ought to be yours. When the world starts falling apart because there's a shooter in the, the DMV, you know, shooting people down like last time, you should be the only person at the gas pump talking about, you know, you know, ain't no problem. Listen, if he point the gun in my direction, the bullet gonna go that way. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the confidence. Now, he says this is implying that there's a that. If he says this, that means that's not it. And what uh, John is getting at is you need to get past, and listen, it may start with these praying hands, oh God, please, please. But at some point, it needs to turn into the look. Sometimes I go in my prayer closet shivering. Sometimes my knees are shaking. Sometimes I feel confused. But this is the confidence that I get when I have a genuine approach to God. When you've really been with God, you don't have religious cliches. There's a knowing that you know. There's a confidence. There's a boldness. You heard said that they knew the disciples had been with Jesus because they were so bold. But I could tell some of y'all ain't been with Jesus for a long time. Because you're scared of your own shadow. God wants to kick the religion out the door. He wants you to have an experience with him. Where there's a confidence and a knowing and a boldness and assurance that comes out of relationship with the king. Other people are falling apart and you're like, come on, get it together. Get right behind me. I'll show you where you go. need to go, what you need to do. God's raising up people this year to get this done. I was teasing last night that the anointing you sow into, you have a right to reap from. Right now, you're sowing into this anointing with your time, and you're going to have a right to tap into it. So, listen, if there's any year you show up, you need to be here this year. Because there's going to be a confidence and a boldness that comes out of this place that you ain't never seen. He said, this is the confidence... We hope for, uh-uh, baby. We have in approaching God that if we ask anything, this includes 
Missing wives that want to come back. Now, that's the operative term. <laughs> if she don't want to come back, I don't know. God going to make her. Okay, y'all. Human will has a place. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was praying about my boys, and, and God spoke to me in the car. He said, Derek, they're your sons, but they still have free will. In other words, they still have choices they have to make. I don't care who their daddy is. It's some decisions only they, they can make. So, so you pray for them, son, but don't get to worrying. That ain't going to help a thing. Ultimately, you pray that they make the right decision, leave it. Are you hearing me? They, they're your child, but they still have their own will. But if your wife and children have been kidnapped and they want to come back, that'll be part of if we ask anything. But if we ask anything according to his will, you see, when God made his will clear, oh, my God, fire shot out of David's eyes. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, listen, he may not hear everyone else, but God will hear me. You say that's cocky. No, it ain't. I got chapter and verse for that. God loved everybody, didn't he? But John, by the Holy Spirit, said, I am the apostle whom Jesus loved. It's like, if he don't love nobody, Jesus loved me. Jesus had a, John had a revelation of the love of Jesus, like my wife. You, you don't hear, she, she, she'll say funny things. Like last night, we were driving home, and, you know, the windows were down a little bit, and she said, you know, God made it nice on, 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 on New Year's uh, Day just for me. I'm thinking six billion people on the planet. Hundreds of thousands of people just in this region. But just for me. See, that's a mindset. If for nobody else, he did it for me. And when you start thinking that way, you start getting the best, attracting the best, becoming the best. You ain't done it for nobody else. You did it for me. That's the anointing of Europe. <laughs> but if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if what he hears, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Again, I'm not just hoping, but I'm a knowing. It says we know Prayer is not for you to release a wish list and leave with questions. God is not Santa Claus. Are you hearing me? You know, I bring my list. Can Santa Claus do this, Mommy? I don't know if Santa can do it. You hear me? We just sung Master of the Universe in the last song. You hear me? What are, what are the lyrics? What is it? Holy? What is it? provider, defender, all them things. You hear me? And we know that we have what we ask of him. I'm talking about you getting a knowing this year. Not just you attending. Not just you being around it. But you getting a knowing on the inside. You have inside information about every situation you're about to face. Folks like, why are they so confident? Because you know something. Are you hearing me? 
He said, this is the conversation we have in approaching God. And really what John is saying is this is what happens in a real prayer meeting. In a real prayer meeting, people ain't yawning and falling asleep. No. When you leave a real prayer meeting, there's a confidence. There's a knowing. There's an assurance. Are you hearing me? He says, no, everything going to be all right. I don't know how, but everything going to be all right. Trouble comes like, get behind me. I done prayed. Hear me? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, as long as it's lined up with the will, we know that we have what we ask of him. David, in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 30, he didn't have a hoping, a guessing, or a wishing. He had a knowing that he would overtake them and absolutely succeed in the rescue. God's mandate on you on this church is for you to recapture to take back everything that has been stolen in your life not not missing one thing not one area are we to settle for and say well you know what at least i got no 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 we learned last night abraham recovered it all and here today we find that same anointing in his descendant david and god releases it and says son you will overtake them and succeed in the rescue. I'm going to get what's mine. And my question, is anybody coming with me? Stand up on your feet and give God a hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Right now, release a confidence. Release a knowing. Father, they're in this place for a reason. And God, you gave me some authority here, and I'm going to use it. Father, turn hearts and minds around. Again, things that were question marks, God, stretch into exclamation points. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.